The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Today, we continue this, uh, this journey that we're on. A popular spoke for three weeks about the quest for enlightenment. And then we had Adrian come. Yes, it was a different white guy, it's not me. Uh, <laughs> and, and he spoke about this quest for nobility. And today we begin a new quest. And it's a, a quest for honor. And it's the third part of this, this trilogy. Um, and it's, uh, it has three parts to it. And today we're going to talk about humility. Um, and, and maybe one question that we can ask ourselves, and it's an overarching question for today, is um, do we hope that when we're older, we have Alzheimer's? Or, or do we hope that we have amnesia when we grow old? And I think we can all say together, no, we, we don't hope for that, right? So let me maybe rephrase it, put it a different way. Are you living a life today that you're going to want to forget in the future? Or are you living a life today that you want vivid memories of in the future? So that's our, our question. And would you guys pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the ability to come together as a community, regardless of where we're at. We thank you for the breath that entered our lungs this morning. And we thank you that you first loved us. And Father, what I pray is that today we would experience your humility, and that it would begin to reverberate in our soul. That this virtue, this character, that is at your core, would become a virtue and a character at our core. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So oftentimes when I think of humility, what I actually think of is humiliation. I've been there many times where I've been so embarrassed. And maybe I'll, uh, I'll share one with you. And I obviously haven't gotten over it because it's still so vivid to me. So you can be my therapist. It was in seventh grade. And we were out in, uh, at lunchtime, out in the, I don't know what they call it, the, what do you, what do you guys call it? What do you call it? The upper, upper campus or whatever? Quad. Man, thank you. So we were in this quad and everybody's out there for lunch, hanging out, talking to you, doing what they do. And that day I was wearing uh, sweats. And I, I didn't have much of a, a fashion sense. I guess I still don't. But I had sweats on that day. And, and there I am talking and, and thinking I'm like a party in the conversation. And then all of a sudden, my pants are at my ankles. My friend came up behind me and pulled them down. Yeah, and that, that would be bad enough, right? And really, that probably wouldn't have bothered me all that much. Except for going back a little bit, at some point my mom went to the store and she went shopping. And, and she saw these briefs and she decided my seventh grade year old son would want to wear these. So there I'm, I'm standing frozen with my sweatpants at my ankles. I'm standing there in orange and green briefs. They, they would probably look cool now, but back then they didn't. And, and I was crushed. I couldn't find a hole to crawl into fast enough. So when I think of 
humility oftentimes it's actually humiliation that I think of first. Something else I think of is being humble, having a, a humble experience. In sports, a lot of times when a team gets blown out, they say, oh, that was a humbling game. Oftentimes when we don't get what we want, we don't get that promotion, or something happens that doesn't really work out in our favor, we say, oh, that was a, a humbling experience. But the, the truth of the matter is that defeat and failure are not humbling experiences unless you're already a humble person. See, defeat and failure are actually two great teachers in life. It's not only what they teach us about the event or the situation that we went through, but it's what they teach us about ourselves. You see, for the person who's not humble, that person's not willing to be taught. That person thinks, well, I've got it all together. There's nobody who can tell me what to do or can teach me something that I don't already know because I've got it figured out. But for the humble person, they can look at the situation and they can pull and extract out of it what it is about themselves that can be changed. See, there's this thing that's the antithesis of humility, and that's pride. And really what pride is, is the insatiable need to get what we want. And it's, it's in this insatiable need, really pride, there's, there's two options. Uh, one, pride can actually drive us to work hard to, to do the things necessary to either earn or win what it is that we've set out to get. But there's a dark side of pride also. See, when we can't work to get something that we want. With pride, what happens is we resort to either take it or to destroy it. Because if we can't have it, then nobody can. See, really, violence is, is arrogance when it doesn't get its way. This sensation we need to, to fill ourselves with what we want, but we can't work hard enough to get it, well, actually, start to resort to violence, to either take or to destroy it. See, we're on this, this path today, this quest, this journey through humility and then integrity and courage. And, and really the goal at the end of it is to be courageous lawyers Christ. And, and I know that word warrior to some of us, it's not really appealing at all. But the truth is, is that this is what we're called to. We're called to actually be expressions of the character and virtues of God. One of those, those expressions is courage. But we just don't all of a sudden wake up one morning and have it. It's something that we have to build upon. And it starts somewhere. So this pride, this sensational need to, to get what we want, it, it actually begins to fill us. See, the world has propped up these ideas of success meaning, whether it's wealth, power, prestige, fame, the world tells us these are your goals and you need to do whatever you can do to get it. And, and see, the thing is that it's pride that will actually propel us towards those things. It, it's pride that will actually begin to clear the path so that we can gain those things. The problem is, is that if the goal is distorted, the path is going to be distorted. 
so the opposite of pride is humility. And today I want to take a look at three different verses, and, and hopefully by the end of today we have um, an understanding of what humility is, what humility looks like, and, and why humility is so important. But before we go there, it's, it's pride, the sensational need to get what we want, to, to be filled with these props that the world tells us are success and meaning. We begin to fill ourselves with this pride, and the problem is, is that pride and integrity don't mix. It's like oil and water. And what happens is that pride that we fill ourselves up with, it begins to push integrity out. That it, begins to, it begins to take the space that integrity was intended to have. And so you say, okay, well, so I don't have integrity. Well, the, the problem is, is that in order to get courage, see, courage is birth out of integrity. Someone who has a lack of of integrity is going to lack courage. See, it's either going to be pride or integrity that informs and motivates our actions. So pride, it fills this space of integrity. And the, the problem with that is, let's understand what integrity is, really. The word integrity comes from the word incorruptible. That which can't be corrupted. And a person of integrity is going to be a person of truth. See, because isn't that exactly what the truth is? Incorruptible? You either have truth or you have not truth. As soon as we begin to change or distort or morph truth, it's no longer truth. So a person of integrity is a person of truth. And so, well, what is truth? Well, truth is something that you, you learn, something that you experience, something that you begin to understand. See, and a, an essential characteristic of the learning process is humility. In order for us to learn, by default, we have to be humble. Because when you're humble, you're teachable. You're willing to allow other people to speak in your life. You're allowing other people to inform you of something that you didn't know. You're allowing to be part of community to make yourself better. Where pride, you say, oh no, I don't, I don't need your help. I've got it. I'm good. So being humble means that you're teaching. Maybe, maybe a way to, to have this meter or barometer of where you're at on the humility and pride scale, just ask yourself, are you teaching? Are you willing to learn from other people? Maybe another one is, are you adaptable? Are you willing to adjust and to learn from the situation? Or are you so rigid and are you so right that you can't be modified? How many of you saw Iron Man, the first one? <laughs> One person's awake. Thank you. Sweet. Hey, I know it's hot, but how many of you saw Iron Man 1? Woo! All right. So Iron Man 1, even if you didn't see it, you'll still be able to, to, to get this. So you remember Robert Downey Jr. He's there in his lab, and he's, he's creating this suit, right? And then the suit is finally done, and so now it's time to try it out. 
and, and he, he puts the suit on, and at first he's getting used to it, right? So he's having some problems. But then he starts to get the hang of it. And, and then he decides, okay, I'm ready to go outside. So he goes outside and he starts flying around. And his adrenaline is going so fast that he is so pumped up in the moment that he decides to go straight up. And he goes higher and higher and higher into the air until he's in the outer atmosphere, and then all of a sudden, his suit begins to freeze. And then that point happens. Freezes, and it goes out. And it begins to drop faster and faster and faster back to Earth. See, pride is the fuel, the rocket, that launches us upward. Pride is what launches us higher. We're on this, this pride rocket and we're just exploding up into the world, up into the air. And at some point we look down and we say, wow, I am above everybody. But see, it will happen. You will freeze. And at that point, you begin to drop back to Earth. See, pride isn't only the fuel that launches us upward, but the magnitude of our pride will also affect the fall. How far, how hard, how difficult that fall is. So there's three verses that we're going to take a look at. But maybe a, a good idea for us before we actually step into scriptures into God's word is to have an idea of what humility is. Really, I think humility is an awareness. It's awareness of our skills, our strengths, our talents, our intellect. But most importantly, humility is an awareness of our spiritual health. And, and really, our, our spiritual health is this arena of personal character. So humility is an awareness of your own character. Humility is... Understanding where your character is at and understanding and allowing other people in so that your character can be modified or adjusted. If humility is this awareness, maybe it's a, a reality, you could say. Pride is, is a bit different. You see, what pride is is really puffed up. Pride is wanting to be seen by others as bigger than you actually are. You see, because what we do is the, the reality of humility, the reality and the state of who we are and where our character is, is often too difficult. So what pride allows us to do is to create this fantasy world, this world in which we have it all together, this world in which we don't need help. And, and so pride it, it develops this fantasy world, and I think maybe that's what makes pride so attractive to so many of us. Because the reality, the truth, the humility is too difficult. First verse I want to take a look at. And, and I'm hoping that these are maybe three windows into what humility is. The first verse is in Matthew uh, 3. Humility makes it easy to do the right thing. And here we're going to see an example of that. Matthew 3, I'll start in 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
His willing work is at hand, and he will clear the threatening work, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with a bunch of attack. Then Jesus came from Galilee to, to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And John consented. See, we could spend all day really looking at Jesus. He's the, the pinnacle, the, the perfect idea of what humility is. But I want to take a look at John. See, because John was no small figure. John had a following. He had people that were loyal to him, people that loved him. He was, he was at the forefront of this new movement that people were so attracted to. Yet, in, in John's humility, he understood that there was somebody greater than him. Somebody, he wasn't even fit to tie this person's sandals. Somebody who would come and would, would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then this person, Jesus, comes to John, this person that John's been telling everybody about. He says, John, I want you to baptize me. John says, whoa, 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 wait a second. I, I know who you are. You're God, and yet you want me to baptize you. It should be the other way around. It should be you that baptizes me. But when it's Jesus telling him, he says, this needs to be done for righteousness' sake. Because this is the right thing to do. Have you guys ever asked yourself, why did Jesus get baptized? Did, did he get baptized because he needed to repent of his sins? No, uh, he didn't sin. Did Jesus get baptized so that he could be filled with the Holy Spirit? No. He's already one with the Holy Spirit. So why did Jesus get baptized? Well, it tells us that it was the right thing to do that it pleased God, and therefore Jesus did it. There was no other reason except for this is what my Father wants of me, and so I'll do it. This is the right thing to do. And so we see that humility will actually guide us to do the right thing. The second verse I want to take a look at is Judges. This is uh, chapter 8. And I'm going to start in verse 1. And and here in Judges, we're going to see that humility keeps us on course. That humility keeps us moving forward. Now the Ephraimites ask Gideon, Why why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Gideon? And they criticized him sharply. But here's Gideon's answer. But he answered them, What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full harvest of Babiathan? God gave Oreb and Zeeb, the Midianite leaders, into your hands. What was I able to do compared to you? At this, their resentment against him subsided. Gideon with 300 men, exhausted, yet keeping up the pursuit, came to the Jordan and crossed it. And some of you are familiar with the story. There was this Midianite army, which is huge and vast, and God called Gideon out. He had a thousand soldiers, and, and God sifted and weeded them out until he only had 300 warriors, courageous men. And, and Gideon and his army, they kind of came up with a new form of warfare. They snuck down to the Midianite camp where they were sleeping. 
and they began to blow their trumpets and break glass, and, and the Midianite soldiers in confusion woke up and just began to kill each other. And so as Gideon's army was getting the upper hand, what he did was he called the Ephraimites in. Okay, now you guys can come. Now we need you guys to come on in. And what they did was they actually captured the two leaders of the Midianite army. But see, the word had already gone out. The credit had already been given to Gideon. The people were already saying, if it wasn't for Gideon, then we would be doomed. So the Ephraimites, the, the proud people, they come to Gideon and they say, Gideon, why didn't you ask us to join you earlier? And, and why did they want to join the fight earlier? Because they saw that Gideon was getting all the credit and as an arrogant people, they wanted that. And, and, and so we see that Gideon actually has two choices, right? Today, in, in our world, we talk so much smack, I think it would have been easy to just start trashing them. But Gideon took a different road. He, he decided to pass all of the credit over to Say, who am I compared to you guys? Do you understand what you did? You, you were the ones that captured these two leaders. If it wasn't for you, this battle wouldn't have been won. And he passes all of the credit over to them. And, and how do they respond? They, they just stop. See, the interesting thing is that arrogance doesn't know how to deal with humility. Because arrogance wants to be lifted up. And humility wants to lift others up. So it doesn't know how to respond. And maybe actually this is a question for those of us that call, us, call ourselves followers of Jesus. Do, do people not like me because I'm a Christian? Or do people not like me because I'm arrogant? And so we see here that, that courage continues to move us forward. And as, as we jump down to verse uh, 22 and 3. Twenty, yeah, 22. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your sons, your grandson, because you have saved us out of the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Gideon understood that in order to move forward, he had to be humble. And we saw it in verse 4 that Gideon and his army, although they were extremely tired, they continued to move forward because, see, they won that battle, but the war wasn't over. They still had to pursue their enemies. And, and Gideon and his 300 men, they do that. And you don't see the Ephraimites at that point, hey, let us go with you. No, they wanted the credit, but they didn't want to put in the hard work. The last verse we're going to take a look at is in John 21. I'm going to start in uh, verse 15. And here we're going to see that humility will actually give us the courage to follow Jesus no matter what. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know why that I love you. Jesus said, free my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, you truly love me. He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my feet. A third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you 
where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So we're here to put ourselves in Peter's shoes. We're just told how we're going to die. And we understand that it's not going to be an easy death. And history tells us that, that Peter was going to be killed the same way Jesus was on the cross. But in his humility, he felt that he wasn't worthy. So we're told that he was actually hung upside down. So let's look at Peter's response to this information. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. That's John who wrote this book. This was the one that leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Have any of you guys ever been envious? Have you ever had that job where you show up every day on time and you work diligently and you don't cheat the company and yet the person who doesn't do all that actually gets to call it You're so deserving for something and yet somebody so undeserving actually gets it. See, here I think that, that Peter was saying, you know what, I, I don't mind having a horrible death. But he looks around and he says, but I don't want to be alone. What about all these people? How are they going to die? And so Jesus responds to him. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. See, the, the, the truth is that, that Jesus doesn't come to us and, and say, hey, listen, I'll give you that house that you want. Come follow me. Hey, I'll get you into that school you want. Come follow me. Hey, your life will be perfect. Come follow me. He doesn't even say, I will remove all tragedy. Come follow me. What Jesus says is, come follow me. And what we find is that humility actually gives us the courage to follow Jesus, despite the circumstances. I, I used to work in, um, in shipping for a company, and we would load trucks. And so what would happen is we would get these orders come down this conveyor belt and we would have to organize pallets, different size boxes, and, and put it all together and drink wrap it and, and load this truck. And there wasn't air conditioning there either. And I feel similar. And we had worked a long day. And at the end of the day, the manager comes out and he approaches a few of us. And he says, hey, listen, you guys, we had a, a problem in the office and there's actually one more truck that we need you to load. We need to do it tonight. All right, well, okay, let's do it. So we spent hours loading this truck, and, and we get to the end, and we try to close the door, and we can't. And we just start to force it in there. And we get the door closed finally. And so we take a step back and a deep breath. It, it was difficult, but it's over. And, and wouldn't you know it that as we're sitting there looking at this door and thinking of what a good job we did, the manager comes running out again. He says, you guys, I'm sorry. And that's never good, right? I'm sorry. When you apologize up front, you know that there's going to be bad news following. He says, you guys, I'm sorry. This was actually a mistake. Also, this order doesn't need to go out until tomorrow night. So, oh, okay. Well, you know what? Let's be optimistic. We got paid over time, and the truck is already loaded for tomorrow. And he says, well, no, it's actually not that simple. 
what we need this trailer for tomorrow, so I need you guys to load everything. Yeah. But you see, I, I think it's the same. In life, we, we go through life trying to fill ourselves up with these ideas of what the world tells us is success. And we, we put this trailer on and we fill it up with as much stuff as we can, but at some point we're going to realize it all has to be loaded. See, I think that, that maybe humility is probably the most overlooked and underrated of God's virtues. See, the word humility actually comes from the Greek word humus, and this word tells us that um, humility finds its root in earth or dirt. But, which is fitting, right, when you think about it, that humility would mean dirt, because the process of humility is lowering yourself and putting others above you, and nothing gets lower than that dirt. But see, what's interesting to me is that we're told in scriptures that God actually formed us out of the dust of the ground, but at the same time, he made us in his image. So you say, well, okay, maybe God just needs a shower and he's really dirty. But that's not the case. God's trying to communicate something to us. He's saying, listen, I made you out of something so humble, and at the same time, I breathe life into you. And when I breathe into you, I gave you my characteristics and my virtues, and one of those being humility. So when we look at the word humility, we're reminded of, of actually how we were created. And, and to close, I'll, I'll say in, in South Africa, there are llamas, and you know what llamas are, right? They have long necks and hairy animals. And, and they figured out a way to actually confine llamas without much effort. See, if you just put a rope or a, a, a border anywhere from the bottom of the neck to the top of the neck, they, actually, they can't get out. But when they come to this border, they actually make the neck even taller. And whether it's in defiance or they're just not capable, if, if the llamas would only know that they could be set free if they would bow their head down, can we communicate this way? The truth is, we're no different from the long That we're in this cage, and we're trapped. And our tendency is to raise our necks up and continue to live in this cage. And if we would only understand that what it takes to be free is to get low, to bend down, they sang a song today, and actually, part of it had a verse from uh, Psalms 119, verse 32. And it says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. And what the psalmist is telling us is that I run in the path of your commands on this quest, and your commands actually aren't going to hold me down. Your commands aren't going to confine me, but your commands are going to set me free. God is commanding us to be humble. See, because it's impossible to love other people unless we're humble. Unless we can lift other people up above ourselves, we can never truly love them. We're called to love others and we're called to be humble. Pray with me.
Father, again, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for each and every person that's here today, and I, I, I pray again that humiliation will reverberate in our souls and we can start to understand the importance of it. Not only would we understand the importance of it, but we would begin to understand just how vital it is to life. How vital it is to be connected to you. You are a humble God. And, and try to imagine a God with infinite power and resources and ability who wasn't humble. This God who just tried to impress on humanity who he was and tried to hold humanity down. But instead, we have a humble God who transforms humanity. The God who lives a humble life and dies a humble death so that we might be free. Father, I pray that we would end That we would be an expression of your character and your virtues. That we would learn that humility is vital life. Lord, we thank you for this life. And we thank you that you first loved us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.